echo the welcome. We have guests among us. Thank you for being here. Thank you to all of you for singing out. Thank you for the good prayer that has already been offered. We're thankful to our Father in heaven for the opportunity to open up his word and hear from him this evening. Let me also take just a moment to personally say thank you. This has been a very busy year for both me and Roger. Many things that were scheduled in 2020 and 2021 that got pushed for obvious reasons to this year. We have both traveled all over the place, uh, but we are both home today and we are thankful to be with you but we know that we would not be able to travel and try and encourage Christians in other places to the degree that we do if it were not for you, for our home, for our church family. There are so many of you who have filled in in a wide variety of ways, not just filling a spot, but glorifying God and encouraging your brothers and sisters in Christ. And so I mean it when I say Thank you. Thank you for being our home. Thank you for your prayers and your support, for your care for our loved ones as we've been near and far. We know, don't we, how encouraging it is when brothers come from near or far and encourage us. And we do everything that we can to be that to other people, other brethren, other places in the kingdom. And we thank you for your support in those efforts. It's my privilege to invite you to read along with me from Mark chapter 16, very much continuing along the thread of our Lord's sacrifice. We've sung about what he did for us, for me and for you. And, and our focal point in our observance of the Lord's Supper was to hear the words of that angel. He is not here, but he is risen. I'd like to read with you a little from Mark's account. If you'll read it with me in verse 1 of Mark chapter 16, when the Sabbath, the seventh day, was passed, of course, it was the First day of the week, and Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Salome, brought spices so that they might go and anoint him. And very early on the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb and they were saying to one another, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? And looking up, they saw that the stone had been rolled back. It was very large. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting at the right side, dressed in a white robe, and they were alarmed. And he said to them, do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him 
just as he told you. Our theme for this year has been, I am his and he is mine. We love having this kind of a focal point for an entire year where here and there, back and forth, we can come back in a sense to home base and, and remind ourselves of some great truth that we find in God's Word. And, and it has been a, a wonderful focal point in a variety of ways here in the home stretch of 2022, as hard as that is to believe, I'd like to return to this theme with you for the next couple of weeks, and particularly this morning, look at it through the eyes of Peter. Did you hear what that angel said in Mark chapter 16 to those astonished women? Don't you remember that he said he would come out of the grave? Don't you remember that he said he would meet you in Galilee? And so you have seen the evidence. Now go tell his disciples and especially tell Peter. Why did that angel do that? Would you go with me where we will be for the rest of our time this morning in God's Word to the Gospel of John chapter 21. I need your Bible open or on and ready to follow along with us all over John chapter 21. Here in John's Gospel we are picking up, you can notice with me in verse 1, we're talking after what we just read in Mark chapter 16 on that very first day of the week after the triumphant resurrection of Jesus from the dead. In fact, he has appeared to the apostles on a couple of occasions. Now, it's a couple of weeks later and John picks up the narrative in John 21 verse 1 by telling us, after this, Jesus revealed himself again. Notice the verb there, Jesus, he didn't just appear, he didn't just come and, and say things, he revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, it's just another name for the Sea of Galilee, and he revealed himself in this way. Simon Peter Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. They said to him, we will go with you. They went out and got into the boat. But that night they caught nothing. And then things began to get really interesting. Just as day was breaking, Jesus, the one who had been crucified, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, 
children. They're, they're still out in the boat on the sea, and here he is on the shore. And he's calling out to them, children, do you have any fish? They answered him, no. He said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. So they cast it, and now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. That disciple whom Jesus loved, therefore, said to Peter, It is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he was stripped for work and threw himself into the sea. The other disciples came in the boat dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from the land, but a hundred yards off. And it's here on this shore of the Sea of Galilee that Peter is reminded of three life-changing moments. What happens next, it takes Peter back. In fact, maybe you can keep your hand or a marker there and go back with me to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 5. We'll come back to John 21 as our base in just a moment. Luke chapter 5. Just as day was breaking in John chapter 21... And these incredible events, it's not hard at all to imagine how what is happening there in John 21 would immediately make Peter think of another day about three years before. Luke chapter 5 and verse 1 is where we can read about it. On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on Jesus to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, yet again another way of describing the Sea of Galilee, and he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets, getting into one of the boats, which was Simon. Before the Lord changed his name to Peter, he asked him, Jesus asked Simon to put out a little from the land, and he sat down and he taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. Just like that night three years later in John 21. But at your word, I'll let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish. And their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boats, the sons of Zebedee, who are also there three years later 
on the shore of the Sea of Galilee. They, they signaled them to come and, and help them. And they, they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees. I want you to get both of these scenes in your mind. We started in John 21 at the end of John's story, right? Jesus has lived, Jesus has died, Jesus has come out of the grave, Jesus has appeared to the apostles multiple times, now just as he had promised, he is appearing to them in Galilee. And the entire thing, does it not, takes Simon Peter back about three years to another boat, who we don't know, maybe the exact same boat, but to this moment when he first realizes Jesus is the Lord. Read what he says there in Luke 5 verse 8. When he sees this incredible miracle, he falls down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. I don't know exactly who you are. I don't know how you did what you just did. But I know no one could do this unless they were the Lord. And I also realize just as surely as the Lord is in my boat, I am absolutely, positively unworthy. Let's go back to John 21. John chapter 21 and verse 9. Three years later, same sea, many of the same men. When they got out on land, they, they saw a charcoal fire in place with fish laid out on it and bread. Jesus, the one they know had died just a couple of weeks ago. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you've just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore full of large fish. In fact, don't you get the sense John is just telling us what happened. He's, he's writing as, as someone who's just recording the facts. There were 153 large fish. And although there were so many the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come. Have breakfast. How many times had, had he, the Lord, served them? And now here he is again. Now, none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They, they didn't have to ask. They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them. And so with the fish, this was now the third time. John's writing is an eyewitness. The third time that Jesus was revealed to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they had finished breakfast. Let's just hit the pause button there. And go back this time to the Gospel of John chapter 13. Would not this scene have taken Peter back once again? Not 
three years before we were just there in in the early chapters of Luke's gospel, but just to a couple of weeks before. Wouldn't all of this take him back in his mind to an upper room? In Jerusalem, we, we, we've got it detailed for us in John chapter 13. In fact, it's what Jesus did after another meal. He's gathered with many of these men and more, his 12 apostles in an upper room right there in Jerusalem where he's going to die to observe the Passover. You read with me from John 13 verse 3. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garment. Remember that language with Peter in John 21? And taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Peter remembers that just a couple of weeks ago. In fact, there's, there's no doubt in my mind. Peter remembers not only what the Lord did in that upper room after another meal, but he remembers what he himself had so confidently said. Same chapter, John chapter 13, verse 36. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus answered him, where I'm going, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow afterward. Peter said to him, it's not just Peter and the Lord, it's, it's the Lord and 12 apostles. Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. Jesus answered, will you lay down your life for me? Truly, truly I say to you, the rooster will not crow till you have denied me three times. That was just a couple of weeks ago as Peter is now here at this charcoal fire on the shore of the Sea of Galilee. And I want you to listen carefully to the language. Wouldn't even that charcoal fire remind Peter of another charcoal fire? Just so happens that there are two charcoal fires talked about in John's Gospel. One there in John chapter 21. And one, if you'll turn with me a few pages later to John chapter 18. John 18, verse 15. Same Peter who has just so confidently said, Lord, I'll follow you wherever you go. I will give my life for you on that same night. A matter of hours at the most after that experience in the upper room. Jesus has been arrested. 
Jesus has been led back into the city of Jerusalem. Jesus is appearing before a variety of authorities who claim to have the power to take his life right here and right now. Meanwhile, John 18, verse 15, Simon Peter followed Jesus and so did another disciple. Since that disciple was known to the high priest, he entered with Jesus into the courtyard of the high priest, but Peter stood outside at the door. So the other disciple who was known to the high priest went out and and spoke to the servant girl who kept watch at the door and brought Peter in. The servant girl at the door said to Peter, you also are not one of this man's disciples, are you? And you imagine yourself in the shadow of the great high priest's House surrounded by temple guards who were dispatched to go out into that garden of Gethsemane and bring this troublemaker Jesus back. And you you realize that there are authorities coming from all over Jerusalem. This is now the, the hottest, most dangerous situation perhaps you've ever been in. There are people here intent on killing Jesus and a servant girl somehow, some way recognizes maybe you're on his side. He says, No, not me. That's not me. I, I, I'm not. Verse 18 now, the servants and officers had made a, a charcoal fire. Because it was cold and they were standing and warming themselves. Peter also was with them standing and warming himself. The scene shifts briefly to Jesus inside. You skip down with me for the sake of our time in verse 25. Now Simon Peter was standing and warming himself. So they said to him, now it's not just a a lowly servant girl. Now it's a they, it's these people, it's these soldiers around this charcoal fire on a cold night. You also are not one of his disciples, are you? Peter denied it and said, I'm not. One of the servants of the high priest, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, asked, didn't I see you in the garden with him? And it's in this moment that Peter chooses to stand there. When Jesus could have used him perhaps the most from a a human point of view. And Peter, for a third time, denies even knowing him. We put Matthew and Mark and Luke and John side by side. We hear that Peter swears. He invokes a curse on himself. I do not know the man. Luke's gospel tells us that from a distance in that moment, the Lord turned. And he looked at Peter. A rooster crows. Peter remembers what Jesus had said just a couple of hours before. And Peter is 
shattered. He has done the thing he said he would never do. Always the first one to speak out. Always the first one to offer an answer. Always the first one to say, well, what about those guys over there? Always the first one to to step out in confidence. And now, can you imagine how his confidence is shattered? Can you imagine how he imagines that Jesus looks at him? What could I do that was worse than denying that I even knew him? Multiple gospel accounts tell us. He fled, he went out, and he wept. And he didn't just weep, he wept bitterly. Let's go back one more time to our key text in John 21. And as we do realize, we're talking same people. Same Peter. Now maybe we've got a... A crystal clear idea as to why the angel said to those three women on that first day of the week, just a matter of a couple of days after Jesus has died on the cross, Jesus is not here, he's risen. Go tell his disciples and Peter. He's going to meet them in Galilee. And that morning has come. Verse 15 of John 21, after they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter. I I don't know what sort of awkward conversations you've had. I, I don't know what situations, you know, as you're standing there and something happens, it just takes your breath away. And I've never been in a situation that I would compare to this. What? In the world, is Jesus going to say to me? Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Simon musters up the the courage and the fortitude to say, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, Do you love me? And no mistake, no no coincidence, Peter is grieved. He's grieved because he said to him the third time, what's Jesus doing? Is he just sticking the knife in Peter's gut and twisting it? Determined to make him feel worse than he already does? No, no. This isn't the jagged sword of an enemy. 
This is the purpose-filled scalpel of the great physician. Jesus isn't talking to Peter to inflict more pain. Jesus is there to relieve Peter's pain. Giving him opportunity to reaffirm his love for Jesus. Three times. Lord, verse 17, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Truly, truly I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. John Steps in for just a moment and tells us this he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, Jesus said to Peter, follow me. We don't have to talk about that terrible night anymore. Do you love me? It's time to get to work. Follow me. He doesn't say some friend you turned out to be. I'm really disappointed in you. You let me down, Peter. I've known it all along. You're all talk. You're just a coward boy. I was wrong about you. You call yourself a disciple? No. I want you to listen to what is going on. And let's all rejoice let's come face to face this morning how unspeakably immeasurably encouraging to know that even when we fail the lord even when we fail him spectacularly his grace is so sufficient his love is so compelling that he stands ready to forgive ready to restore Ready to put us back to work. As long as we love Him. And within just a few weeks. Last passage we'll look at. Just turn a few pages in your Bible. Next book of the Bible to Acts chapter 2. Peter will preach the boldest sermon of his life. Just a couple of weeks later. How? Because on that morning, in John chapter 21, Jesus made something crystal clear to Peter. He'd live a good long time. Jesus didn't call him old. He said, when you're old, Peter, you're going to be here for a while. But before I ascend to my Father in heaven, I want to make sure you, Peter, you... I'm not talking big, broad, everybody all over the planet. We'll get to them eventually. I'm not talking about every descendant of Abraham. I'm not talking about the the other ten of my apostles. Peter, right now, I just want you personally to hear something loud and clear. And I want you to remember it for the rest of your life. We've put it this way this year. I am his. 
and he is mine. From that morning forward, what had Peter come to know? What could he see crystal clear and hold on to for the rest of his life? Well, he knew that Jesus had prayed for him when he was weak. Luke includes on that most terrible of nights, even as Peter had said, Lord, never, I'll never deny you. Luke wants to make sure we know Jesus had said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat. And you don't think that's possible, but it's about to happen. And yet I want you to know, even before it happens, I've prayed for you that your faith might not fail. Peter failed, but his faith didn't fail. And when you've turned again, strengthen your brothers. What became crystal clear that morning around that charcoal fire? Couldn't Peter see more clearly than he had ever seen before? Jesus is a forgiver. I failed. But Jesus has forgiven me. He didn't give up on me. I mean, this could have been the end. For the rest of my life, I could have said as the sun set, I'm going fishing. I don't know what else to live for anymore. But Jesus didn't give up on him. The mission was still, we're going to go fishing for men. No doubt in Peter's mind, from that point forward, Jesus helped me heal from some terribly painful failures. Can you imagine had this Awkward, painful interaction like a scalpel right down into Peter's heart. Had it never happened, the, the, the self-doubt, the self-loathing that might have lingered for the rest of his life. But Peter could walk away from that shore knowing Jesus has helped me heal. Why? Because he loves me. Nobody would ever, ever, ever be able to convince Peter otherwise for the rest of his life. There are plenty of things that I don't know. I don't know how this story is going to end. But I do know this. Jesus loves me and he believed in me. Though I had failed him, he believed in me. And all of this is possible because he first laid down his life for me. And for the rest of his life, his, his mission was, listen, this, this is what Jesus has done for me, and you have to know Jesus can do this for you. Jesus can do this for anyone. And so seven weeks later, here he is. In the 
very city where Jesus was crucified, preaches the most bold sermon of his life, leading to the conclusion in Acts 2.36, Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ. This Jesus whom you crucified. But what's he trying to do? Is he just sticking a jagged sword inside of everybody and saying, you ought to be ashamed, you enormous, pitiful failures. No, it's... Let me tell you about this Jesus who's no longer in the grave, who is now at the right hand of God, willing to intercede for anybody, willing to forgive anybody, not giving up on anybody, ready to heal anybody because he loves everybody. It is not too late. He laid down his life first for you. And when thousands of people heard that message, they were Cut to the heart. How? By the scalpel of the great physician who was now working through Peter and these apostles. They say to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, It's time to turn. Repent. And be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Listen to this. For the promise, a promise that Peter could see crystal clear because of that awkward moment. That morning on the shore of the Sea of Galilee. The promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off. Everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many other words he bore witness and continued to exhort them saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized. And they were added to that day. About 3,000 souls. What do we mean by added? Ordinary men and women who were able to walk away from that incredible assembly saying, I am his. I don't deserve it. I haven't earned it. In fact, I never could. But, but because of him and what he's done for me, I'm his. And he's mine. I appreciate you looking at that through the eyes of Peter with me this morning. Lord willing, I, I'd love to see you next Sunday morning where we'll look at this through the pen of Peter. We'll go back to 1 Peter chapter 1 and see what more we can learn. But for our purposes this morning, what we want you to hear loud and clear is we're going to sing a song to encourage you to respond to this same Jesus. Because we want you to be able to say, just as surely as anyone, I'm his and he is mine. Do you need to do what Peter told those people to do on the day of Pentecost? Repent. Be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins. Does your individual life of discipleship need some work this morning? Just as Peter's did in John 21. We're here to pray with you. And for you, this is the Lord's invitation. If we can help you, 
Let us know how by coming to the front while we stand and sing together.